y'all pray for me. I was praying down there. My contacts rolled in my eyes, so <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if I read something wrong, I'm sorry. Just know I'm be like Bartimaeus reading to you. But uh, if you have your Bibles this evening, if you will, turn to the book of John. A familiar passage this evening. Um, and I tell you, I don't know if I've ever been fought like I have this week over uh, what I'm preaching on. Um, but I know that this is what the Lord will have me to preach. Um, I've thought all week, Lord, everybody's heard this story. If they've grown up in church, everybody's heard about the woman at the well. Um, they've seen it in the Christmas play if they've been here at Bethel. Uh, but I believe that tonight God's got something new for us. And I believe that, uh, that if we listen to him, he's going to show us something and refresh us and show us something new. Um, and the thought tonight and the title of this message is The Well That Never Fails. If you found your place in John chapter 4, I ask that you'd stand to your feet in the reverence of the reading of God's holy word. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 4, verse 1, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. I encourage you tonight, if verse number 4 is not underlined in your Bible, to underline the word must because it's extremely important. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day, Lord, and everything you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for another opportunity to get in your house and to worship you, God. And Lord, I pray that you'd bind the devil out of this place, God. I pray that you'd use me as a mouthpiece from heaven, Lord. Move me out of the way, God. We know that no sermon or no man can do anything that you don't allow, God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak through me, God that you'd break your word open to us tonight, God, and that you'd use it to transform somebody, Lord, and bless their soul, God. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So as we see here in the book of John, chapter 4, uh, like I was telling you, to underline the word must. Um, as we take a look into the scripture, we see that the Bible says that he must go through Samaria. Now, geographically speaking, we know that Samaria is in between the two of Judea and Galilee. Um, but it's... It, when I read it at first, it kind of baffled me. I never really thought about it. Um, I was thinking, you know, it said he must go through. I was like, well, he's God, you know. He doesn't have to do anything. I was thinking that he doesn't want to do. But I got to digging down into that word and uh, what it means in the Hebrew and the Greek. And, and it, what it means is he was compelled. He, was, he felt like he had to go to, uh, go to the place. And uh, it's important to note that word. Because you see, in these days, it was customary for Jews to go around Samaria and to enter, in, to enter into Galilee. And although this wouldn't make sense given the extra trek that they would have to do, um, there was plenty of reasons and, uh, of why they would do this. It was really common in these days. Uh, culturally, there was tensions, and there was tensions that had been building up for years and years and years. And as we see that it was, if the Bible, when you research it and you look back at the historical things, it says that it was about a, a three-day journey if you go through Samaria but it was a six-day journey if you took the route around. And uh, we know that the Samaritans and the Jews, they were in such tension and such conflict that people would take six days and go around it than to go through it in three days. Now, I think about that. You've got to have some serious hate towards somebody to add three days to your journey. Uh, we're about to take off here to the beach here pretty soon, and there ain't nothing that agitates me more when we get out on the road, and I've got to make an unnecessary stop. For no reason, it takes me 20 minutes to get back onto the roadway. And just thinking about that, it makes me upset. So I couldn't imagine adding three extra days onto my time as I'm going to somewhere. Uh, but that's just a little explanation of the tension that was going on here. They couldn't stand each other that much. 
Um, some biblically scholars said that the that uh, the Samaritans would wake up and thank God that they weren't um, that they weren't in Judea. That's how much that they didn't like each other. Now you think about adding these three unnecessary days to the journey. Um, th- these tensions, like I said, were due to a variety of things. There was ethical, cultural, and religious uh, tension that had been building up. Um, and way back years ago, um, the Israelites had disobeyed God, and He had removed His hand of protection off of Israel. And what had happened, he had turned them over to the Babylons. And in this time, there was a group of Israelites who still lived in the northern kingdom. And uh, they began to intermarry with individuals. Uh, They began compromising a little bit on what they believed. And they started marrying people who didn't necessarily believe in the same God and the same biblical God that we know and love. And uh, they kind of overlooked it and they intermarried. And you can imagine that this could cause immense problems uh, because we know the Bible tells us not to be unevenly yoked. Um, And it's important that we, especially in marriage are uh, biblically and morally aligned on the things of the Bible. Um, And what had happened, these people began to intermarry, and then they came along and they said they were going to basically only start believing the uh, first five books of the Bible, um, which is commonly called the, uh, if I mispronounce this, I'm sorry, it's a hard word to say, the Pentateuch, I believe. Um, And years after this, uh, they, you know, really what that is, it's it's a cult. They started with the whole Word of God, and, and believe in the right things, and then all of a sudden they started changing it to fit what they wanted to do. They started changing it to fit how they wanted to live their lives and trying to mold the Word of God into making them, you know, happy with what they believed instead of letting the Word of God mold them. And uh, as you look, you know, years after this, Nehemiah came in to rebuild Jerusalem, and these uh, individuals who had disobeyed God wanted to help them. They said, we want to help you rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, but Nehemiah said, no, you disobeyed God. Um, you know, and this, this caused them, basically, you know, they said, forget this, we don't really need Jerusalem. We'll have our own holy city. You know, we'll do our own thing. So this division is something that has multiplied over years and years, and you can imagine the tension. After so long, <clears throat> these people believe in this way and not being able to get along with one another. So the basis of all this is to say that it was not common for someone to go through Samaria, and especially a Jewish person. So that brings me to my first point this evening. We see the divine appointment. Now we know that the culture would tell him not to. We know that religion would tell him not to go. And the ethics of it might tell him not to go. But we see that Jesus went. And I I got to thinking, you know, why must he go? Why must he go? Why would would Jesus say he must go? And uh, we know that in the Bible, in the book of John chapter 5 verse 19... The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So we see right there the reason that Jesus must go or had to go through Samaria. God the Father sent him because of the divine appointment that was about to take place. And we see that Jesus is going to ask her for water. The Bible says that, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And when Jesus was asking, asking her for water, I really got to thinking about this. This is where we see Jesus as the full God, but Jesus as full man. Because he's both, church. A lot of times we forget that Jesus was a man just like you and I. Uh, Jesus had to go through struggles just like you and I, but he was still sinless. He remained sinless. And I got to thinking about Jesus asking her for water. 
And as I was sitting there, I couldn't imagine how humbling it might be for the Savior of the universe to ask you for some water, something as simple as water. And I got to thinking, well, surely if Jesus showed up at my house, I would give him a glass of water. And the Lord told me, and I started thinking about this, and I wonder when Jesus is asking us for water sometimes, are we giving him vinegar? You know, I wonder what God might be asking of you tonight, and I wonder what you're giving him in return. You know, Jesus, maybe God's saying, I want a little more of your time. Well, I'm sorry, God. I'll give you about 10 minutes, but I can't give you no more. I'll give you this instead, though. God, as long as you don't take my phone away from me for a little bit, I'll give you this. Or if you don't take my time away from my friends, I'll give you a little bit of this. So I wonder, church, if he's asking you for water, are we giving him vinegar? And, uh, you know, let me tell you that whatever God is calling you to do, just like in this, he's asking for water... Whatever God is calling you to do, there's always going to be a route that will take you around Samaria. We know that it says he had to go through, but we talked about how common it was to just take the route around Samaria. And, and church, in your life, when God's calling you to do something, there is always going to be something that can take you around Samaria. There's always going to be something that can take you away from what God's calling you to do. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes God wants you to go through Samaria. God wants you to go through the hardship. The world might be telling you not to go here, or the world may be telling you to go this way, and your flesh may be telling you to go this way, but God's telling you, I want you to go straight through. I don't want you to... We see that the path around Samaria was a wide turn, and I think about the straight and narrow path that Jesus has paved for us, that path that is narrow, that Jesus went down. So I'm wondering, what is God calling you to tonight? Maybe He's wanting you to go through Samaria. Maybe He's wanting you to go through a trial, a struggle. Uh, maybe he's calling you to forgiveness. Maybe there's some of us tonight that, that every time Pastor Darren preaches on forgiveness, uh, that we know in our hearts, our, our mind goes back to somebody. And we think, well, I need to start the process of forgiving them. But then all of a sudden we, got, we get to thinking that's a little bit too hard. Maybe trekking through that part of Samaria is a little too hard. I don't know if I can forgive them. But maybe it's time to stop putting it off and to go through Samaria. You know, that God is wanting... Maybe he's wanting you to share the gospel with that person. Or maybe he's wanting you to talk to somebody about him. And, and he's wanting you to talk to that one person. Uh, you know, it wasn't common when Jesus interacts with this woman at the well. Back in that time, for a married woman to even talk to a man, it was a divorceable offense. Uh, so the fact that he was talking to her alone was a, was a pretty scary thing back in those days culturally. Um, so it, it wasn't common for that. And I wonder, you know, maybe there's a, a person that you need to talk to. And maybe your buddies are saying... Oh, don't talk to that person. They're a little crazy. They're a little wild. Or don't talk to that person. You know, I'd be weary of them. You know, don't share the gospel with them, maybe. You know, they're a little scared. But maybe God's telling you to go talk to that person. Uh, maybe God's wanting you to go down that path. And there's always going to be that wide open road that your flesh will lead you down. It'll take you around. But let me tell you, just like, like I said earlier, it's going to add days to your journey. Uh, there's many times that God has told me to do something and I've put it off and I've put it off and I've put it off. And I have lived in utter misery trying to convince myself that I wasn't. I'm okay. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. But all along it was because I wasn't doing what God had told me to do. Instead of taking the three-day path or the, the path that God had, had tracked, it, it would take a longer... It, it takes you a whole lot longer if you're going to put it off and you're going to wait. It, it, you, it'll cause you a whole lot more heartache, a whole lot more pain than if you will just go with God and go where He's telling you to go. And I'm here to tell you that... God, at the divine appointment that he has with this woman at the well, I'm here tonight that you guys are not in this church pew by mistake. 
You've been divinely appointed by the sovereign God of this universe to sit in the church pew tonight and to hear the gospel be presented to you, to read the word of God and to hear it and to hear from heaven tonight. God has not put you in this pew by mistake. The all-knowing, powerful creator of this world has put you here for a reason and for a purpose. And, and a matter of fact, it's an honor to think that God has divinely appointed us in the house of God on a Wednesday night when we could have been far off in a, in a foreign country where we can't even go to church. So I thank God that we're here tonight. And I, I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm hoping and praying, and I got faith that we're going to hear from heaven. But he doesn't, this shows, this shows that God doesn't care what your race, what your religion. He doesn't, he doesn't care about that. He will, he will knock down every race barrier, every, every issue that's going on to get to you. It doesn't matter. God can find you. And he wants to meet with you in the same way that he met with this woman in Samaria. There is no social norm that God cannot break down. And there's no cultural barrier that he can't break. You talk about attention. Uh, between these two groups, but God broke it down to find that woman. Uh, just like He will break it down to find you. He may break you down to, to get to you, but He's going to find you. And he will, get, he will get to you because God is big enough. Hallelujah. And I thank Him for it. Secondly, tonight we see the destination of the encounter. If you keep reading, it says uh, that now Jacob's well was there. And uh, that's an important part. I got to thinking about how how uh, he, he met her at Jacob's well. And uh, now in the Old Testament, um, the well was a very extremely important place. Um, Abraham's servant found his son Isaac's wife at the well. Jacob met his wife at a well. And Moses met his wife at a well. Now I'm sure if you men are like me, you're probably thinking, Preacher, where's that well? <laughs> if I knew, I would tell you, brother. Um, but we see that the well is a significant place. And it's very interesting that he meets her at Jacob's well because the similarities between Jacob's life and her life are almost parallel. Um, I got to thinking about Jacob. And uh, it, it's really undeniable, the similarities. Jacob was on the run from God basically his entire life. Um, his name literally means heel grabber because in the Old Testament they would name you uh, about... Of what you were going to be. And we know that Jacob was constantly trying to grab the heel of his brother Esau uh, to receive the blessing of the firstborn. He was constantly grabbing at it. And his desire was to be in front of Esau and claim that right of the blessing of the firstborn. Um, and the Bible says that Jacob was grabbing onto Esau's heel. And I was thinking about this. I could just imagine Jacob trying to pass Esau. It's like going around turn four of the Daytona. Jacob's just trying to get by him, constantly trying to get by him. Um, and we know that Jacob lives into his name as a deceiver. Um, he tricks his brother into selling his birthright. He tricks his father while he's dying into receiving his blessing. And then later he ran from God until what I believe is that he physically wrestled with God. Um, we know that the Bible says in the book of Genesis that Jacob came face to face with God. And what happens is Jacob the deceiver now is having his names changed from Jacob the deceiver to Israel the one who wrestles with God. So the similarities between Jacob and this woman at the well are, are undeniable. This woman at the well, she's been running from Jesus uh, her, maybe it's her whole life. Uh, I wonder maybe if she's running from Jesus through her lifestyle. Um, and she's running away from the things of God. But just like Jacob, she is about to come face to face with the Savior of the universe at this well. And I got to thinking about that and, and how how great it might be uh, and how, 
how I just couldn't imagine uh, meeting Jesus on earth at the well um, and, and how that might have felt. Um, and I wrote this little sub-point down and uh, I said that also it's important about the daytime. Um, we see at the end of verse 6 that it says it was about the sixth hour. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to walk my dog or I'm going to go get water from a well, I'm sure not going to go when at the hot of the day. Um, you know, it was common back then uh, for the women to go to the well in the mornings, in the cool of the morning. Um, but that way they didn't have to burn up because it, it was a, a little hike to it and uh, water wasn't as easily accessible as it is now, obviously. Um, so I would not do that. But, you know, I was thinking about it. And we know that the reason she went in the daytime was because she was so ashamed of what she was going through. She was so ashamed of herself. And she knew that if she went to the well in the morning time, there would be a group of women there. And you know what was going to happen? They were going to talk about her. They were going to talk about her. There's that lady who's been married with all those, all those guys. There she is. Look at her. There she is. She was so ashamed that she would rather trek through the heat of the day to go to the well to not have to feel so ashamed by her peers. And uh, we see that she asked Jesus here, is this well better than our father's Jacob, Jacob's? And Jesus answers her and he lets her know that he is better than that well. And I thank God that Jesus is better than any well we have here on earth. Uh, he offers a well and a fountain that is unlike any fountain we've had on earth. And if, and if she only knew that the Savior of the universe was asking her, but she is about to find out. And if you read here in verses 12 and 14, the Bible says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And that brings me to my next point. Thirdly, tonight we see the description of new life. Jesus answers in a way that describes the water. But Jesus is not describing the water from this well. Jesus is describing the living water. The living water that he will offer that is going to transform her from the inside out and change her life where she will never ever be the same again. Uh, he describes to her a fountain, a fountain that is rich in mercy and in love, a fountain of grace, mercy, and abundance. Uh, and I was thinking about this. It's a fountain that overflows. And I thank God that it's never ending. Um, I'm, I'm sure maybe if many of you are like me, if you've ever been to a golden corral or a wedding, you guys love to hit the chocolate fountain. Praise God, I do. If I see one of those, I, if, I love chocolate. And I thank God for the chocolate fountain. And when I get there, I, it don't matter how many people in front of me is filling up their marshmallows with chocolate. I don't have to count in the line. Oh, we're going to run out. We're going to run out. I just go up there and it's an ever-ending fountain of chocolate. Well, let me tell you tonight that Jesus' fountain is much greater than a chocolate fountain at Golden Corral. It's much greater than a chocolate fountain at a wedding. It never ends. It's a fountain that overflows and will pour out into you as much as you possibly want for yourself and even more. It's a fountain that we can go to, and I thank God for it. God provides us with this fountain of grace that overflows, and we ought to be living in an abundance of overflow every day. It should be an everyday overflow for us. We should go to the fountain every day and get filled up with this living water. Um, and I, I like to think about my, my favorite verse in the Bible. Well, me and Caleb were just talking about this the other day at work. It's, uh, this is what I always tell people my favorite verse is when they ask. And it's truly hard to pick, but uh, I just had to put it in here and read it because 
The Bible says in John chapter 6 verse 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth to me shall never thirst. Um, and I, I'm, I'm thinking today that the problem with a lot of us today and a, a lot of us in America is um, we're searching for that temporary satisfaction. Uh, just like this woman at the well searching for the temporary satisfaction. She wanted some water for the day that was temporarily going to satisfy her. Uh, you may be thinking, no, I'm not searching for temporary satisfaction, but we've got so accustomed to temporary satisfaction. And if you don't believe me, just pick up your phone and start scrolling on social media. You'll watch a video and you'll laugh and then you'll get bored of it and you're like, I need to scroll again. And then you'll find something that'll pick you back up again and you'll scroll again. The world has made it so accustomed where they want us to live this, this, uh, normal, this, this merry-go-round of normality. I heard it put some way uh, from a preacher sometime. Uh, they, they want us to be on this, this merry-go-round of normality just constantly just this temporary satisfaction. Just go to work, do your nine to five, go to bed, wake up, do it again. You know, truth is, a lot of us are living for the weekend, and me included. I think to myself, man, praise God, I can't wait for it to be the weekend. But I got to thinking about that and a little bit convicted over it. If we as Christians are living for the weekend, we're living our lives all wrong. Jesus has woke us up every day for a purpose. Jesus has woke us up every morning with something new and with something to give others. And I thank God for it. So, uh, and I, I was really thinking, it's just another analogy that God gave me. Uh, many times I'll be sitting on the couch at the house and um, I'll be perfectly satisfied with what I'm doing. I'm comfortable and I don't want to move. But then I'll start thinking, well, let me go to the kitchen. And I'll get up. And then I've already been to the kitchen six times that day. I know what's in there. But I'll go to the kitchen and I'll start raiding through the cabinets. I'll start looking for something to eat. Although I'm not even hungry, I just want something to satisfy me for a quick minute. Let me get, some tr- let me get a snack. Let me get something. And I'll go through there and look. And back when Carrie was living with us, so God help you now, Luke, if you get any cookie dough ice cream or something, you'll open the container and there won't be a single bite of cookie dough left in it. And then, so, so I go through there. I'll, I'll start looking. I'll start looking. And finally, my mom will be like, what are you looking for? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I'll go shut the cabinets. And I'll go sit back on the couch. And I'll be left more dissatisfied than when I got up from the couch. And the truth is, church, a lot of us are doing that. A lot of us should be content with what God's given us, content with with the life that Jesus has gave us, but we want to get up from the couch. We want to get up from where God placed us at. We want to leave where God's placed us at and go search for something temporary to satisfy us, just something that's going to temporarily hold us by instead of sticking with what Jesus has had put out for us. And I believe that's what a lot of us do. And a lot of times... What that leaves us is desiring for more. We crave it more and more. Just like that, that video you watched. You want, it, you want another one more and more. You want something funnier. You want something better. Uh, a lot of us, we're searching for a substitute. A lot of America, I believe, is truthfully looking for a substitute. They're searching for one. Searching for a substitute to satisfy them. Searching for a substitute from church to satisfy them. Uh, searching for a substitute. They don't want to go. You know, I'll, I'll just stay at home tonight. I just won't go, and uh, I'll have some temporary satisfaction. But the truth is, church, we're searching for substitutes uh, in the wrong places. And some of us, I believe, are searching for all the right things in all the wrong places. And when this happens, church, you know what we find? We find depression. We find, we find panic. We find anxiety. When you're searching for the right things in all the wrong places, 
You're going to come up feeling empty. You're going to come up feeling distressed because you're not searching in the right place. You're not searching in the Word of God. Uh, you're not searching from heaven. You're searching in the things of the world. Uh, and instead of utilizing the living water and that fountain that we should be searching for, we're searching for something temporary. We think a lot of times if we could get this promotion, I'll be happy. If I could just get this brand new Corvette, I'd be happy. If I could just get through school, I'll be happy. Amen, that was me every year. If I could just get through college, I'll be happy and I'll have my life figured out. Well, I do not have my life figured out and I just graduated. So we think, if I could just get through this school year, I'll have it figured out. Or, or if I could just uh, get in the gym and hit my ideal weight, I'll have it figured out. Um, but church, you are, you are, you're not going to have it figured out searching for that temporary next uh, monetarily or worldly achievement. Um, all the things of this world is going to leave you lacking of what God can give you. And, and what, it, what it really leaves is a hole in your heart that only God can fill with the living water. The world can't fill it. You have to go to the fountain of God. Uh, and, and here as I was looking into the story, we see that uh, Jesus, he calls her out on her sin. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm witnessing to somebody, really the last thing I want to start bringing up is their lifestyle. Uh, I don't want to, I'm like, well, we'll get them in, and then the sanctification process can come after. <laughs> God can deal with that, you know. I don't want to necessarily be you know, talking about it, but we see that in this instance, Jesus calls her out on her sin. And she tries to bypass the question, just like many of us do. Uh, there'll be a lot of times that uh, my dad might ask me a question and, and I'll just answer a completely different other question because I don't want to talk about that because it's hard to talk about. Or I don't want to talk about this. Uh, I'm trying to maybe bypass it and avoid it. And we see that she starts, she starts asking him more questions. Um, and basically, she, she's just trying to bypass the question that, that when Jesus brings up her sin. And uh, unlike many of us tend to do when we call others out on sin, in more of a, if you're like me sometimes, um, we're all guilty of it, in a condescending, judgmental way, we like to think, oh, look at that person, they're sinning like crazy. Couldn't be me. <laughs> I'm perfect. Couldn't be me. But a lot of us like to, like to do it in that way. But we see in the way that Jesus does it. Jesus acknowledges her sin. And Jesus tells her, hey, that very thing you're embarrassed about, that very thing you're so ashamed about, uh, that thing about your husbands, I want you to take it and I want you to bring it to me. Because that very thing that you're ashamed of is the very thing that I died for. Uh, Jesus tells her uh, that there's no need to live in her shame. Uh, and I'm telling you, God can take you from your sin. He can take your shame and God can sanctify you. He doesn't want you to walk in shame. He wants you to walk in the freedom that He purchased for us on the cross. Everyday freedom, a freedom that overflows. And uh, I thank God for it. Jesus knew that she had, had had five husbands. He knew. But He asked her. He wanted her to acknowledge it. He, he knew. He knew. One time, uh, I was trying to mow the yard at my house. And it would pour the rain. And I wrecked the lawnmower. And I was scared to death to tell Dad. So I just let it sit down there, and then I called my buddies to help me get it out, and I fixed it, and I thought, well, I just won't tell Dad, because the yard's perfectly mowed, and he won't notice. And he got home, and the first thing, he had that dad intuition, I guess, and he knew. And he asked me about it, because he wanted me to acknowledge it. 
And, and, and in this, Jesus is asking her about it because he wants her to acknowledge it. He wants her to bring that sin out into the light. Because church, the truth is, you can't fight the devil in the dark. You can't fight your sin in the dark. If you try to fight the devil in the dark, you're going to get your tail whooped, just to be honest with you. But if you'll bring that sin out into the light, God can help you fight it. God will fight it for you. He just wants you to acknowledge it and bring it to light. Church, He knows. And, and I wonder tonight if maybe some of us are trying to hide from God uh, something that we've been dealing with. Uh, maybe a sin that's been brought up into our mind that we're struggling with. We think, oh, I just won't bring it up or I won't talk about it. Uh, kind of like this woman was. She didn't want to talk about it. Maybe she was trying to hide it a little bit. I wonder if there's some of us that are hiding something from God. Because I'm here to tell you that God knows. Jesus knew in this moment that she'd had those husbands. Uh, but he still asked her. He wanted her to acknowledge it. Because the truth is you can't be fully known until you understand your need for Jesus. You know, you can't live in that freedom until you understand that you need Jesus. You can't do it on your own. So Jesus is asking her. He's asking her to acknowledge it. Uh, and lastly, my last point this evening, we see number four, the daunting task. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 27 and 28. I've read this story countless times and somehow I've always just kind of looked past 28. Um, it says, And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Uh, we see that none of, the disciples, none of the disciples asked him why he talked to her, because they knew better than to question Jesus. They, they knew better. And, uh, and in the verse 28 it says, The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the man, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Amen. Church, I think many of us have had that experience where we've been at the well. Um, where Jesus has filled us up. We've had that time where Jesus has dipped us in the fountain and saved us grace, graciously. Um, but I believe a lot of us have never left the well. Um, we, we, we're stuck still sitting with the water pot that Jesus filled up for us. Uh, and as I was reading 28, it says the woman then left her water pot. Now what did she go to the well for? Water. So why did she leave it? Because she was so filled up with the things of God that she forgot what she temporarily wanted. She forgot what she'd even came for. She said, I have to go tell others. And she left that water pot behind. So I just wonder if there's some of us who have been saved and we've just, we're stuck still sitting at the water pot. The, the water can't overflow if you're standing in the same place. You know, if you need to go out. You need to go out and share just like this woman did. Um, and I was thinking that she came to the well looking for this water. She came uh, because she was thirsty. But she left with abundantly more than she could have ever hoped or asked for. And I got to thinking about the times that I come to church growing up where I thought, well, if I could just make it through this service and go back home and get a bite to eat. Or I'm going to come to church just to, you know, tell mom I, I went. And then, guess what? I got to church and I received abundantly more than I was expecting for. Abundantly more than what I came searching for. This woman come to the well searching for a pot of water. And she received Jesus Christ into her heart. And she was forever changed. Just like some of us come to church not even looking for a blessing sometimes. And we'll come and Jesus will fill us up abundantly more than we could ever imagine. And I just was thinking about this and I could not imagine what it was like. Like I told you 
back in this day, the Jews and the Samaritans, they basically hated each other. Um, they could not, if I can't emphasize it enough, they did not get along. And I was thinking, this woman who's come to the well has, has had her life changed by Jesus, and now she's going to go back into Samaria and try to tell people what had just happened. And I was thinking about what a daunting task that might be for her, uh, how difficult that might be to go tell people. Um, I was like, it's, you know, if you know somebody who can't stand Christianity and stuff, it's not easy to go talk to them. If you know somebody and you're thinking, they, they won't be able to stand me if I talk to a Jew at the well. You know, so I was thinking to myself, could you imagine her coming through Samaria and saying, hey, yeah, guys, uh, you know how you hate those people, <laughs> the Jews, you know? Well, let me tell you, I just met the king of the Jews, the one they call the king. Uh, and he forever changed my life. Let me tell you about what Jesus offered me at the well. Uh, maybe let's get past this hate, this hatred that we have for each other because I found one at the well greater than this, this indifference, greater than this tension. Uh, she, she went to the, we, the well where Jews and Samaritans didn't talk and she left at meeting the king, the one they call the king of the Jews. And I just couldn't imagine how she might have felt. But church, she was so filled up that she went back and she told others, come see the man that told me everything I ever done. I mean, she had her mail read out loud to her, basically. She, the, Jesus said, he, he told her, he said, uh, go and get your husband. He, he, he read out loud her sin to her. He brought it into light. And she walked, there, she walked up to that well ashamed. So ashamed of her, herself and so ashamed of being judged and tired of constantly feeling that way that she would go in the heat of the day to avoid it. She was so ashamed of herself. But Jesus transformed her life to where she could walk away unashamed of what Jesus did for her. And that is the way that we should be, church, unashamed and unapologetic for what God has done for us. And uh, if God has done something for you tonight or in your life, I think that we ought to go tell somebody about it. Um, and I, this is severely backtracking, but the Lord just brought it to my mind. Um, I've been getting a real blessing of, of coming to the men's Bible study group on Monday night. Um, I truly encourage you guys to come. It's, it's really helped me. Um, and uh, and I, I, I'd been praying and praying about uh, to the Lord. I, I really just started praying. And um, I said, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would just open up the door for me to get to preach. And I said, uh, Lord, just to be sure, just to be so sure that it's from you, God, I pray that you would just open that door up at Bethel. And, uh, and I prayed that, and I, I prayed it. And two days later, Pastor Darren had texted me and asked me to preach at Bethel. Um, and I've had some prayers answered in my life, but that is a prayer request that I'll never, ever forget. Um, that's probably the most specific answer to a specific prayer I've ever got. And uh, ever since Darren had preached on specific prayers, getting specific answers, it stuck with me my whole life. But it was just made real to me in that moment. And I got to thinking, if I prayed, I prayed like that to God about everything. If I prayed to Him about everything in life, and I was faithful to praying to Him and asking Him for specific things, and asking Him for specific help, how many times might I not be telling you the same story? That God granted my prayer request, that God helped me, and He met my specific need. And I was so abundantly overwhelmed, I, I just I couldn't explain it. I mean, it was just, it was just spiritual. 
supernatural, you would say. I, I just have never been so dumbfounded by, by an answered prayer request from God. I mean, all I could do was just sit there and smile. There wasn't nothing bringing me down, I thought. I was like, people's going to think I'm crazy. I, I prayed for this, and it's here. I mean, it's just, and sometimes it is that way, church. Sometimes you'll pray for something, and God will grant it right then and there. Uh, but sometimes you might have to wait for it. Uh, this, this woman, she had been searching her whole life in these wrong places uh, for something to satisfy her. She had been searching her whole life uh, for that temporary satisfaction, searching for a substitute. Uh, but you see, after she's went through all these hardships, after she's went through all these failed marriages, uh, she met Jesus at the divine time that Jesus went to go meet her. It was, it was, it was made that way that Jesus was going to be there at that time of day at that point in time, at that place in Samaria, at that well, at Jacob's well, to meet this woman at the well. And sometimes, sometimes it might be like that for us. We might have to wait a little bit. We might have to go through a little hardship, a little struggle, maybe a little bit of failure. Uh, uh, but then Jesus will answer your prayer request if we'll stay faithful to it. And I just thank God that, that specific prayers do get specific answers. Um, it, it, it's just it's blessed me throughout this entire this entire time studying, thinking about it, and uh, just to have the privilege and the honor to preach at Bethel. Um, I think about so many great men of God that's preached in this pulpit, uh, uh, men that I consider spiritual heroes, guys that I look up to, uh, that have have utilized this pulpit and and spoke with a gumption from heaven that only God can give, and it is the most humbling thing to be able to preach at your home church with people you love, people you know and care about uh, that, that I know have been praying for me and, and I've been praying for y'all. And it is just, I just want you guys to know I don't take it lightly and I thank God for the opportunity to be here. There is nothing like getting to preach at your home church, uh, preaching to people that you, that you know. You know, you know more, you, you know their hearts. Um, sometimes it can be difficult going out places where you don't know nobody. And you get, you get all worked up and you get scared and you think they won't relate to you. They won't have a clue what you're saying. Uh, but God always works it out. And I just thank God that, uh, that everything He does is divine. Everything that He appoints is going to happen. Um, and I thank God that just like He went through that hard, that hard trek through Samaria to meet with that woman, uh, that God knocked down the walls of sin to get to me. Uh, because just like this woman at the well, uh, maybe I, <clears throat> I didn't have those those failed marriages or that specific sin. Uh, but I had other sin. I had sin that was just as equal. I had sin in my life that was keeping me from God. And then one time on August 4th, 2010, God broke down those walls of sin. He brought it to light. And I started acknowledging it. I started thinking, Lord, I'm finally ready to admit it. I am a sinner in need of saving grace. And God saved me that night. And just like he did this woman at the well... If you'll just come to Him and you'll just ask Him and be faithful to the things of God, be faithful to what He's telling you to do. If God's telling you to go through Samaria, go through it. If, it. if the whole world's telling you to go around it, but God is telling you to go through it, go through it. I promise you'll find more peace in, in walking with God than you will ever find trying to walk through the world without it. And uh, that, that's what the Lord has given me tonight. Um, I hope it's helped you. It sure helped me studying for it. And um, I know it's a super familiar passage in the Bible. And uh, I struggled with that 
studying for it because I started thinking nobody is going to want to hear this same old story again. Uh, but just like Tyler preached, sometimes we need to hear the same old stories, the same old songs be sung because there's power in them. Uh, there's nothing in this Bible that's been read too many times. Uh, there's, no, there's no old hymn that's been sung too many times. Uh, the Bible's still blessing people every single day because we know that the Word is God. And I thank God for it. But uh, that's what the Lord has gave me and I'll turn it back over to you.